This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Froze and I'm joined by Katie Balls and Fraser Nelson. Well, over the weekend, Rishi Sunak was fighting a number of Tory sleaze related fires. The first one has been over this um, ongoing issue with Nadeem Zahawi. Just this morning, Rishi Sunak has announced his independent advisor is going to deal with the situation. Katie, what's been happening? So this story has been bubbling away for some time. I think it uh, stepped up again last week when there were reports that Nadeem Zahawi had ultimately um, paid a multi-million pound settlement with HMRC as part of an agreement stemming back to an investigation launched last year into his tax affairs. This all relates to whether he should have paid capital gains tax relating to um, ultimately shares in YouGov, offshore account, and ultimately HMRC have found that he did need to. Over the weekend, the Tory chairman put out a statement saying that, you know, there was nothing malign here. Instead, it was, um, you know, careless rather than actually an intention to to avoid tax but you've seen uh, effectively Labour ramping up calls for him to resign or actually more specifically for Rishi Sunak to sack him what Labour really want to do and we've seen over the past month or so is to pick Rishi Sunak as a weak leader who ultimately has a you know he might look like a fairly fresh face but his party is the same party that's ousted two Tory leaders and has been murdered in scandal so try and link it to that so they've been going heavily on the attack and then today you've had a situation where Downing Street have uh, put out a statement saying that Rishi Sunak's new number 10 ethics advisor is going to investigate this and they say clearly in this case there are questions that need answering so that is movement but I think it's also known as kicking something into the long grass in the sense that there is now an easy holding line both for Rishi Sunak and Nadim Zahawi which is effectively and all ministers going out in the media round of which no one did this morning um, effectively saying we we cannot comment on an ongoing investigation already you've heard that from the Tory chairman um, and and therefore th- this I think is meant to buy them some time. As for his long-term prospects, um, Nadim Sahai was never really a, a close Sunak ally, but he, you know, he backed Boris Johnson um, when it came to the most recent Tory leadership contest. It had a quite a badly timed op-ed, which went up just at the same time that Boris Johnson said he wasn't actually going to run for the leadership. But he did move then very quickly to back Rishi Sunak. So I think in terms of the balance of showing that you know this is a government which has lots of different factions in, despite the fact he's not the closest ally, it would be uh, you know something they would probably want to avoid in Downing Street. But this will give them a few months potentially and then uh, perhaps quietly do something later on. Fraser, is there a pattern emerging here where, you know, there's a Tory sleaze row, independent advisor is selected to go and make a judgment? And then if, if, if you had a magic orb to look into the future, what would that result be? It's funny, they do seem to be accumulating. And when these um, Tory troubles come, they come not as single spies, but in battalions. That seems to be the rule from Hamlet applying to the party here. I mean, everything from Rishi Sunak's seatbelts to Zahawi's tax affairs, they seem to unrelated, but they all seem to collective. The risk for the Tories is that, as far as the voters are concerned, they come up with a theme. You might call it Tory sleaze. You might call it um, mishaps. I remember when Nadim Zahawi ran for the leadership, somebody telling me, oh, he, I, can't believe he, I can't believe he did this, given his financial situation. 
And I, I was trying to find out more, saying, well, what do you mean? What's his financial situation? And the, the person wouldn't say anything more. What we're told now, of course, is that it was a little slip-up. But there are some pretty big allegations there, that he received huge amounts of money, didn't inform the taxman, that he did an out-of-pocket settlement to, to, several, to several million pounds. So the language being used, oh, this was a mishap, they've accepted the apology, etc., may be out of step with the size of the financial settlement. If it was in millions then that will capture this Tory imagination. Now, normally this might not be so damaging, but remember one of the unspoken Tory attack lines in Rishi Sunak is that here is a man so incredibly posh, so incredibly rich, that he and his ilk are just not living on the same planet. Uh, there was a video over the weekend where the Prime Minister points to his car door and asks his um, security guard to open it rather than open the door himself. Now, this was being seen as a sign that he was so posh that he's not even in the habit of opening his door. His reflex is to get the, the chauffeur to do it for him. We might find out it's a more um, straightforward. Quite often, these high-security cars have got special locks, which and it's bad form to open it yourself. The security guards should only do it when he thinks it's safe. I don't know. But the point is, all of these things seem to become forming a pattern, a pattern portraying the Conservative Party to be a party of millionaires, even billionaires, whose definition of a small hiccup is a several is a multi-million pound check. So even if there is no wrongdoing, even if there is no more to this story than Nadim's story how he has told us, there might be considerable public interest in finding out what happened and did it only start to happen once he started to be investigated? Was this happening when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer? I mean, it's incredible to think of the Chancellor himself is having a multi-billion pound um, unpaid tax disputes with the Exchequer. I fear there's rather a lot more of this to run. And it's one of these questions which, like so many of the most damaging things in politics, isn't a question of legality. It's how it looks. I think the problem for Rishi Sunak is effectively this is one of two stories at the weekend which uh, I think fit under that Tory sleaze bracket. I'm not going to put seatbelt there, but perhaps Fraser Wood. (laughs) But the second was regarding the BBC chairman, Richard Sharp. 800 grand. And this is effectively... Going back to Boris Johnson, uh, the fact that Boris Johnson had uh, a loan uh, when he was prime minister, when he was short on money of, as Fraser says, £800,000, and claims that the uh, that ultimately the BBC chairman, prior to his appointment, but only weeks before his appointment, um, played a role in securing this. Richard Sharp has denied this, saying he didn't play a role. But there are now today, uh, we have, you know... Uh, um, the BBC board will review any potential conflicts of interest as a result of this story. Now, both of these stories relate more to Boris Johnson than Rishi Sunak in the sense, Fraser mentioned Nazim Sahawi and the fact that this ultimately happened in terms of this investigation at the time he was Chancellor. Boris Johnson appointed him as Chancellor when Rishi Sunak resigned. And at number 10 will say, well, when Rishi Sunak made the decision to, uh, you know, have him as his party chairman, and um, the advice from the cabinet office was this had been settled. Then you get the Richard Sharp story, which is someone who uh, does uh, know Rishi Sunak well, but effectively was appointed under Boris Johnson, and this is a Boris Johnson scandal. But Rishi Sunak was meant to turn the page for the Tory party in terms of, you know, bringing uh, a sense of integrity back after all this scandal of the Boris Johnson days and the term of the Liz Truss days. And I think this weekend is just a reminder that it's much harder to actually, you know, whether or not these decisions are not 
first calls down to Rishi Sunak, but he still has to deal with all the fallout from them. And you can see how much the opposition's parties would have just played into it as the same Tory mess of the past year or so, which is why it's tricky. Because also, if Rishi Sunak wanted to turn around and sack Zahawi, you could do that, but that's a party management problem. Uh, so, so you are getting to the point where there, there are not really many good options. And all this, by the way, is before we've even got to Boris Johnson's resignation honours. Now, of course, the funny thing about Boris is everybody knows he likes to stand by his friends. Now, this is a very good characteristic in a human being. It can be a bit of a liability in a politician, though. I mean, I remember when he um, ennobled that um, Lord Lembedev. I mean, this was a prior of the Evening Standard who had lent that paper support to the Conservatives during the mayoral elections. So uh, Boris... Johnson is always a, a man who will stand by people he thinks have served him well, no matter what, no matter how much flag he gets. But here's the difference. When it comes to his resignation honours, it's not going to be him getting the flag. It's going to be Rishi Sunak. And Katie, do, do we have any idea what sort of characters are going to be in that resignation honours list? Yeah, so this is... a. Uh basically, I think, a ticking time bomb for Rishi Sunak's government and a massive headache probably for um, some already, Um, (laughs) which is we already had a story a few weeks ago, um, which was about the peerages that Boris Johnson would like to give. And there are a few controversial ones in that. First, four sitting MPs. I think even Boris Johnson's supporters question... That whether he really should be trying to make um, MPs peers and therefore potentially giving Rishi Sunak four by-elections when we've all seen the polls recently. But then also there are particularly um, some quite young staffers potentially lined up for peerages, questions of really, is this going to be the youngest ever peer and what do they have to show for that? And then I'm, I understand, for example, that the general resignation on this list is you know over 100 names, those privy to say. Theresa May and David Cameron are both in the region of 40, so it's quite a lot more. And then, of course... You have all the staff who worked for these various scandals, including Partygate, um, who, if they are honoured, is going to... Uh, I think you can see how Labour want to make that dividing line on, you know, we're going to reform the House of Lords, perhaps abolish it, but they then water that down. So, so um, and I think you can start to say they'll also be looking at the honours list. But I, I understand, that actually, in a way, Boris Johnson has promised so many people, or at least, or at least let's put it this way, so many people believe Boris Johnson might be giving them an honour that I think even at this rate, not everyone who thinks they might be getting one is on that list. And what this adds up to is basic cronyism. Incredibly rich people staggering sums of money being mislaid or loaned or etc. And it presents the overall image of a decadent Tory democracy whose time has come. Now, that's why you're getting some... Um, Chris Bryant was a Labour MP over this weekend calling for a general election. I imagine that's... No, I mean, I would think he would call for a general election most weeks. Well, but, yeah, but, no, but I, I've got a feeling that this is going to be a theme we're going to be hearing more often now, that this, these guys are tired, they're out of power, they're a bunch of corrupt cronies. Election now. Uh, you can sieve this down and, and explain away every individual part of it. It doesn't add up to... A scandal, if, if you take like what happened during lockdown, for example, that was a scandal which inflicted needless misery upon you know millions of people. These scandals here are quite often things which were legally um, absolutely fine, like take you know, arranging an 800 grand loan to, to do up number 10. But it looks bad because it simply reveals the kind of circles in which this unusually moneyed amount of Tories now move. I mean, what is unusual is that, it's, is that when you look around the table, there are basically multimillionaires, so many of them. Now, these guys made their own money. 
I completely admire the way that Nadim Zahawi set up, helped set up YouGov from nothing into an incredible company. We should be admiring and saluting the people who've got the resolve and the entrepreneurial skill to do this. But it does mean it brings with it wealth on a scale which attracts unwanted political attention. And I think we can expect to see quite a lot of that attention in the coming days and weeks. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Fraser. And thanks for listening.